Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Garden State of Hockey podcast. My name is Dan Rosell and I'm joined as always by John Fisher to recap the end of the Devil season. And guess what, John, since our last recording, how many wins do the New Jersey Devils have? Zero! They've won none of their games since we last recorded. That's the same number of wins they had at home in April. Uh, that's the same number of F's we have left to give about this season in terms of the devil's perspective. Obviously the playoffs are very exciting, but the devils went out real sad. I mean, you can argue that they improved their lottery odds significantly by losing to a few teams that no could have been below them. No, they actually didn't. (laughs) Oh, they didn't help at all. So it was just empty losses after loss after loss. And really It was tough to watch given that the franchise pillars down the middle were missing for a majority of those games. I mean, Hughes for all of them, obviously, but uh, he sure missed more than a few of these last six games. But John, um, these last six really put the devils out of their misery for this season. And I I think we were all, by the time the last, I don't know, two rolled around, we were all pretty ready for them to be done. Well, Dan, there's been a lot of debate among the people who matter. You know, is it the coach? Is it the players? Is it the systems? Is it the goaltending? And the answer to all that from these six games in total, I would say is yes. Yes, (laughs) Yes, it is. Four, let me just quickly run down the results just for the sake of completion. Uh, April 21st, home after the five-game road trip where the Devils were largely successful. Andrew Hammond took the net and let up a shorthanded goal from the blue line. And then the the Sabres scored another shorthanded goal on the same power play. Devils lost 5-2. December, I'm sorry, April 23rd, John Gillis is a net. Devils play a great game for 55 minutes and are leading Carolina 2-0. Carolina, Dan, that's the number one team in the division. Yep. Then a giveaway leads to a bounce off Kevin Ball's shin. Another giveaway leads to Nino Niederreiter getting in front of big boy Nathan Bashan, who just kind of stands there. It's 2-2. Not only are they bad, but they're also unlucky. 
And then Damon Severson tried to hook up Jesper Bokfist. This is a classic case of Bokfist went too far. Severson tried to do too much of a hero play on this. Tony D'Angelo picked it off, threw it to Seth Jarvis, finishes the game, 3-2 overtime loss to the Canes <sighs> on the 23rd. But wait, Dan, there's more. Oh, or shall boy. I say less? For the, oh, Devils, the Devils hosted Detroit on April 24th in legitimately one of the worst games I've watched since, well, the Devils-Seattle game earlier this month. Oh, it was ugly. This game was hideous, and the Devils scored zero legal goals. Jaeger Sharankovich had a goal taken away due to an offside 3 nothing loss. Boo. And then, Dan, on the 26th, the Devils went up to Canada, and uh, Mackenzie Blackwood made his return to the net. How'd it go? Did well, it didn't go that great. I would argue Anton Forsberg gave up the world, the game's worst goal, but it yeah. wasn't that great either. Um, yeah, another shorty to Tim Stutzley. The Devils didn't make a comeback to force overtime, so that was a positive. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I forgot to mention on April 23rd in that Carolina game, the Devils scored a power play goal. I have discussed three shorthanded goals so far, Dan. <laughs> I regret to inform you that the Devils were outscored on man advantages the entire month of April, a 15-game month. And this was the uh, centerpiece. But Tim Stutzley dropped a four-point bomb, went inside out on Tim Ty Smith, almost turning him into Tim Smith, might as well at this point, and then beating Blackwood low for the 5-4 overtime loss. In you, you never want to downgrade from Ty to Tim, I guess, is well, the uh, logic there. Well, apologies to all the Tims out there. You're not really <laughs> a downgrade, but you know if you were born a Ty, you probably want to stay a Ty. Anyway, <laughs> okay. this is the delay talking about the back-to-back Season ending uh, away and home set. Devils at Carolina. Carolina having clinched the division at Manhattan two nights prior. Do you think Carolina was going to take their foot off the gas? No, they bodied the Devils. Uh, won six to three. All three goals by the Devils were consolation goals. Uh, the Kane rally was rocking. The Canes were roaring. You know, go with them, I guess. Storm and then- surge. Yeah, storm surge, bunch of jerks, memes, 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 yada, yada, yada. But And then on April 29th, Dan, the season ender, fan appreciation night, everybody, or at least the first 9,000 fans or so, got a mini, uh, and I do mean mini, uh, Dougie Hamilton third jersey collection. No, not a bobblehead of Dougie Hamilton. No, not a figure of Dougie Hamilton. Just a mini version of the black jersey. Hooray! And Dan. And Dan <laughs> yep. The Devils never led in this game. They, no, they, they tied it up three times. Damian yep. Zetterlund scored a beautiful goal. You got to see Nico Heischer one last time. You got to see Subban on the ice one last for potentially one last time. You got to see the Devils try to make a game of it. And of course, a shot trickling through Blackwood. Just cleared off the line just a little too late by Dougal Hamilton. Turned out to be your game-winning goal. Empty netter. 5-3 loss. Devils went 0-6-2 at home in April. Ended the season with the worst points percentage in an 82-game season in the salary cap era in the franchise history. Not since the prelude Devils have the Devils had a record this bad. That's your 2021-2022 <laughs> season. In, in short... Boo. so okay so let's let's take a step back let's let's give yeah. this some context because listen you're right the way it was framed right there it's obvious that this was a terrible terrible season for so many reasons the the biggest of which i think we can all agree 
were the special teams in large at the beginning of the season than just the power play for the entire one and the goaltending, the, the yes. biggest culprits of it all. But oh, yeah. of course, that's not to say those were the only issues, but mm-hmm. I do strangely feel better about next year than I did uh, last year going into this one. I, I don't know why, except for the fact that it seems like there is hope for a potential future. It seems like the right people took steps forward, even if the team did not. I don't know how else to phrase that really, because we're looking for Jack Hughes to become that superstar that he was drafted to be. He did. Jesper Bratt really went supernova this year. Uh, Jaeger Sharangovich had a tough start, but he bounced back to uh, score a bunch of goals, exactly what he was supposed to do for this team. And really it was the big pieces and, Obviously, as every media day reveals, when you clean out your lockers, seemingly half the team was playing with injuries all season, not the least of which was the $9 million defenseman they just paid for. So there's a lot of reasons this season went poorly, but there's a lot that can and should be changed as well. It's not to say that those are the only things that held this team back. Yes. And, and again, the, the statements from the players, from Lindy Ruff at the exit interview yesterday, from Tom Fitzgerald at trade deadline, in his post-trade deadline presser, uh, both expressed that, hey, goaltending hasn't been good. We've been beset by injuries. We've had players missing. Those are all true facts, Dan. The reason why I bristle so much about them is that they come across more as excuses as to why the team has been this poor um, instead of looking for solutions. You know, it's one of those cases of, you know, you know, this is a results-oriented business and you're just throwing up your hand saying, well, it was out of my hands. It's like, that's not how accountability works. It, but it, who could have ever seen the need to right, use seven Dan, goalies? True. But let's take a step back further, Dan. Let's look at April as a whole. April yep. was not a good month. They went three, eight, and four. All three wins were away from home. Mm-hmm. Amazingly, Dan, at five on five, the Devils actually outscored their collective opposition, if you can <laughs> believe it. 40 to 37. 40 is one of the highest uh, goal amounts in, in all of April. And even though their expected goal uh, rates, which is something the team I think is leaning on too much to say that everything's fine. Uh, I, I think the model's a pretty good one. It's the best what we have for a holistic, big picture view of how a team performs. But where the Devils get bodied in the run of play seems to be, you know, what XG doesn't actually capture. But the Devils offense just died in April. And so it didn't matter that they shot the puck at 11.3%, which is the fourth highest rate in the league at five on five. Because uh, they were just weren't generating a lot of shots, not the least of which in that last week of the season where, you know, the team clearly was uh, preparing for the offseason, as, as we'll put it. But again, um, a lot of the underlying numbers are have been favorable at five on five. So there is some there is some legitimacy to believe that this team is not, you know, as terrible as a 28th place team usually is. However, the power play was absolute garbage all season. The penalty kill, even in April, wasn't that great either, for that matter. Mm-hmm. And the goaltending was bad, even though at five on five, believe it or not, they were just a couple saves away from 90%. Uh, they weren't bottom, you know, bottom of the league in April. A couple but away were, from 90%. Oh, God. That's that's kind of the story of the season. Like, you know, obviously for over the whole season, the goaltending was, you know, next to dead last. I think Seattle just edged them out, if I'm not mistaken, at five on five. But nevertheless... The thing here is that we've been talking about these problems with the power play and goaltending and how the team overcommits on defense and gets exposed for counterattacks on, on the weak side. We've talked about how the offense is either letting the defenseman do too much or they're relying too much on uh, rushes up ice to create the bulk of their 
quote unquote dangerous offense. We've been talking about this since, I don't know, since November or so, mm-hmm. and it's May. And, you know, for Lindy Ruff to stand up at the exit interview saying, oh, you know, I changed some things to help our goalies out. The numbers don't show that, man. I've seen some improvement in the defensive numbers, but that was after the month where the Devils actually had good goaltending. So it couldn't have been for that. So what did you do, Ruff? <laughs> yeah, and I, again, like at the exit interviews, the fact that Hughes was very vocal in his support of Ruff and Heischer was not no. makes me think that regardless, it is unsustainable past this year, no matter what happens. If he's back, he will not be there past this upcoming year as well. I don't think you can have that for two players who are signed on to be the pillars of this franchise for the next at least six or seven years to have that different of an opinion on the head coach and the coaching staff in general. I think very clearly what has to happen is that they need to change who's in charge of the power play. Um, Mm -hmm. That is number one and has been number one for the entire season. So we'll look to them to do that first. I I don't think there's any way that that doesn't happen. Well, that's the thing, Dan, we don't know. That's really the, 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 that's part of my beef here that I'm I'm feeling right now is because you see other organizations have already made sweeping changes behind the bench, you know, in Winnipeg, they gave a new uh, contract to Kevin Sheveldayoff, and he said, I'm going to evaluate all the coaches. Nobody is hired right now. Uh, in Detroit, I understand Jeff Blashill was out of contract, mm-hmm. uh, whereas Lindy Ruff does have one more year left on his contract. But Detroit has said, yeah, Blashill and his staff are all out. Uh, last night, last night, Kevin Weeks reported that Mike Yo, the interim kind of, uh, normally you don't fire an interim, you just let them go, but whatever, he's not in Philly anymore. So we already have a number of teams. I've already said, yeah, we've done our quote unquote evaluation and they don't got the good. So they're gone. And here we have the 28th place, New Jersey devils with a terrible power play and a terrible goaltending situation. You would think at a minimum, they would have said Recky and Rogalski, that would be the devil's head uh, yep. goaltending coach. They're gone. Like That's irregardless of what they do with Ruff. That's an absolute minimum. That has to happen. No. And, but they haven't done that yet. In fact, everybody is still quote unquote under evaluation. And you know what? Let me take a step back, Dan. I I feel like we're kind of, we're, we're talking about the main event here, but I feel like we should go in order a little bit here. So uh, the breakdown day or the final media sessions of the season was bizarrely held over two days. They Mm -hmm. held the first part on Sunday and then they had a part yesterday. Um, so yes, so Sunday's main events, you know, you had the players, as you said, Hughes spoke and basically endorsed Ruff. Nico Heischer said, I'm not going to comment on Ruff, which is pretty much a non-endorsement. Yeah, goodbye. <laughs> yeah. When the captain says, I'm not going to comment on the head coach, uh, that normally does not bode well. But as you said, Hughes likes him. And on and yesterday on Monday, Brat said he liked him too. And that and Brat's going to be part of that core as well. So there, there, there's there's a bit of a you know, a bit of a leverage that Mr. Fitzgerald is going to have to work how, with. How but. much money did Brad earn for himself this year? Oh, goodness. Um, I don't have Dave, um, Dave, Dom Lushishin's player card in front of me because he actually does have like, you know, value based on player mm-hmm. uh, for how they're performing. But I got to think it's at least $8 million. I don't yep. think he's going to get $8 million per season, but that's the type of season that he had. I think which we're looking should. like six and a half at least. Yeah, he, this is not going to be some guy. If Jesper Brat takes anything less than that, that's a hometown discount. And I would argue 6.5 is a hometown discount. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Itself. Well, if that's more of a bridge, right? Like that's the, 
three years into the next thing or something like that. Oh no. If Brad's smart and if his agent is smart, they, they should be pulling for eight, eight yeah. years. They should not be going, going get the money now. Year. No, no bridge deal for this guy. Correct. Secure the money. The only things real in life, Dan, are the money and the miles true in professional wrestling, true in professional ice hockey. Mm-hmm. Get your, get your contract now. If you can anyway, back to the exit interviews. Um, Dougie Hamilton revealed that he never really recovered from his jaw, which makes sense because Sidney Crosby expressed the same a couple years ago when he broke his jaw. Mm. But he also revealed to the Devils that he also had a broken toe, which Great. might explain why he played slowly for the last two months. Awesome. <laughs> so once again, we have a player who wasn't 100%, surely did not play like he's 100%, and yet he kept getting games. Does that sound familiar to you, Dan? Yeah, too familiar. Yeah. Uh, speaking of goaltenders that were uh, – uh, <laughs> implying here, Jonathan yep. Bernier showed up at the exit interviews. And oh. he, stayed, he said, uh, progress is slow, but he's making progress. He's hoping to make <laughs> it back by training camp. What does that mean? <laughs> um, well, the problem is his hip injury. Well, it's, it's actually worse than that. Cause he also said his hip injury actually started in the preseason, oh, but he wanted to play through it. And ultimately by the time that Winnipeg game happened, it wasn't sustainable to play through anymore. So yeah, awesome. And, and we know that uh, Bernier, is, he's going to be 34 in August, and we know that hip issues have sunk goaltenders like Corey Schneider. I'm not super confident for Bernier here. I mean, I want him to succeed as a person, you know, but uh, I, I'm not confident here. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of not confident here, uh, Ty Smith spoke. He said that uh, he's thankful working with Elaine Nazardine over the last two years. <laughs> Sounds Given like he's saying awful- goodbye. Given how awful Ty Smith was in this past season, he went from being a good, legitimately good, legitimately promising rookie campaign to, oh my goodness, how did you decline so fast? Seal Will Butcher. Exactly. And this notion of, oh, Smith is just slow. He doesn't have the goods. No, this is a former CHL defenseman of the year and two-time finalist in major junior hockey. By the way, scrub. Butcher this year? Yeah. Career high in points. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> I have a suspicion Nazardine has a role in this. So this yeah. goes back to, you know, Mr. Fitzgerald needs to consider this. If we're going to start praising the coaching staff for the successes among the young players, they should also look at some of the declines as well. It's penguins uh, and flyers based saboteurs. That's my new theory. Right. Uh, let's see. Miles Wood gave the silliest quote to the, of the whole exit interview day on Sunday with, by saying he thinks the devils are quote, super close and wants to be a part of it. Now, it's possible he meant super close as in camaraderie. Mm-hmm. I interpreted that as he thinks the team is close to the competing. I remind everybody that the Devils finished 37 points behind the Capitals for the final playoff spot. Curiously enough, though, a few of them seem to echo the sentiment of we're close, but we need more veteran presence in the room. It sounds like the youthfulness of the team really weighed on a lot of them more than we realized, right? Like you heard that as a common theme throughout uh, these exit interviews a lot of them saying yeah we just need a few vets in the room like the action items for Fitzgerald essentially yeah it was a common theme even from Hughes and he should sure say we need more we need more talent mm-hmm. um, and Wood said he wanted more uh, veterans uh, Lindy Ruff on Monday said he wants more veteran presence um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not super I'm not a fan of this logic Dan for for a couple of reasons one the Devils had this super experienced coaching staff. So logically, mm-hmm. you would think if experience was that big of a factor, you've got more than enough of it, of a, uh, more than enough of it 
in the suits to tell the young guys like what they need to do. And presumably since Hughes and Brat at a minimum have a rapport with these guys, even Smith with Nazardine, despite the, you know, Smith having a terrible season thing, mm-hmm. you know, they're listening to these guys. It's, this is not a case of a broken locker room where the players are just tuning out the coaches. You know, that's what you typically see in a lot of losing um, teams. The devils didn't have that. Yep. But the other part is that, and I realized this last night when diaping up uh, what happened in the uh, Monday interviews is that Fitzgerald actually added veteran presence in the offseason last season um, in 2021. They added Dougie Hamilton. They added Thomas Tatar. They added Ryan Graves. They added Jonathan Bernier. And they added Jimmy VC all to the all to join Damon Severson, Miles Wood, Andreas Johnson, and PK Subban as guys over the age of 25. Mm-hmm. Not to mention, I would even argue that guys like Brat, Heesher, and Zaka should be considered veterans because they all, believe it or not, they all have over 300 NHL games played. So whether or not you define veteran as guy who's been in the league for a while or guy with hundreds of games under their belt, the Devils are not completely bereft of this as they think they're letting on here. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't go out and trust anybody over the age of 30. What I'm saying is you need quality players uh, more so than you need veteran presence. My fear is that with Ruff and Wood and other players talking about how they would like some veteran presence, mm. Fitzgerald may get the idea of let's get some gritty, greasy uh, experience guys more uh, of a DC vein as opposed to guys that they actually may need. Well, so the the people would point to the Rangers doing exactly that this past off season and that working to get them in the second seat of the Metropolitan. But then, I just want to say they didn't win with any of those guys. Well, okay, so yeah, that, that, and that's, and Fox that's my and point. Are going Nova, right? So that's that's the point I was about to make. It had nothing to do with those guys. Like maybe. There were some depth, some support, some locker room presence, but they have a coach who has been consistently good at getting teams into the playoffs and playing well in the regular season. They have a goalie mm-hmm. who just rattled off a Vesna level campaign. So don't give me that. It worked for them. It's that's not the difference. Like yes. the coach and the goalie, that's what it was. That's the difference between the Rangers and devils right now is those two factors and very little else. Right. Continuing back, I agree with that point, Dan, so I'm going to continue back to the interviews Mm -hmm. uh, just to make sure I capture everybody appropriately. Uh, Ryan Graves said he did know he played a bigger role than he ever did before, which might explain why I think he got worse as the season went on. Uh, Thomas Tatar said he was disappointed with the season. That was also a common theme of the exit interviews. Severson says uh, he hopes the rebuild is over. I feel like I've heard that before, Dan. Yeah. Uh, he is interested. Uh, we in do a, too. Yeah. He's in, he is interested in a contract extension. That is notable because he is coming out of contract after next season. Um, Pavel Zaka said that uh, he, he thinks no one ever talked to him about a trade. Now, to be fair, he doesn't have a trade clause, so no one has to talk to him. But given that he, he is out of contract now, presumably you would think trading him would require a discussion about potential extensions. Would you be willing to sign to this team that we're going to move you to? Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously that didn't happen, which means all those rumors that you, you and mostly me were hoping for were turned out to be just that, rumors. Yeah. Uh, Sazaka also said he needs to be, quote, a little bit harder on pucks and creating chances and battles on offense. I swear I've heard that before from him. I don't believe it yet. Yeah. Uh, Mercer had good things to say about the coaching staff. Well, he also said he's, he wants to prepare whether, you know, he wants to prepare and fine tune his game for whether he plays wing or center, which is actually hmm. notable for future seasons. Cause it means he is open to playing both 
versatility is always a benefit. It's always an asset. So good luck to Mercer for that. Mr. Sharon Govich um, said that he did speak a lot with the coaches and he specifically named a certain Utica comic coach to help him out a lot. Sergey mm. Breland, mm. quote, he helped me a lot. Sometimes we talk about different plays. It's nice to talk with this guy because he won three cups. He's so smart and he's coaching 10 years already. And Dan, I have a question for you. Uh-huh. Okay. We see that many of the people who matter talk about, you know, oh, we wish we could get Scott Stevens in the coaching role or Patrick Elias or Travis Zajac. Why not Sarge? Why He's not? Here. What, He's- do you know how popular he would be amongst the fan base, first of all? My fear, okay, so my fear when a team hires a former player to be the coach, we've seen it work out in Rod Brindamore, for example. It's still working yeah. out amazingly well. Yeah. The, the problem is the fan base is less likely to turn if things are wrong, and if they do turn, it gets pretty ugly. I, I don't want to lose, like, I don't fear the lost connection with the only other guy whose number isn't retired uh, for the team that won three cups, but it, it's a risk. I think you can have it go two ways. You can have it go Brindamore, like I said, or you can have it go like Frank Lampard's time in Chelsea. Uh, for yeah, those of you that or, don't or, know what I'm talking about, that was tough to watch. Or, think, you know, Wayne Gretzky's time in the league in general. Right. Or Rick Tockett or, you know, a whole bunch of guys. A lot, you'll find that a lot of these head coaches used to play in the NHL at some point. Well, anyway. I'm saying specifically for the team that they, okay, um, like, like those kind of relationship yeah no i know what you're talking about yeah i understand well in this case breland is currently an assistant with utica he's been an assistant with the ahl affiliate for again a very long time and that's the difference between him and like a lampard right who's coming in fresh i'm not asking i'm not asking breland to be the head coach of the team and to replace rough i'm saying since you're you should be getting rid of Recky or getting rid of Chris Taylor or getting rid of Dave Rogowski. Okay. You wouldn't want Breland to be your goalie coach, but Marty. the point is, is that you're going to have, you should have spots at the bench for an assistant. Promote yeah. Breland to be an assistant. This mm-hmm. isn't, you know, if it works out great, if not, he goes back to the AHL again, he loves the area. He lives in New Jersey. I, he's been in the organization. It's not like an AHL coaching job as an assistant pays a ton of money or is a very glamorous position to begin with. So the fact he's been sticking it out this entire time tell, should tell you this guy loves the organization. And if it doesn't work out, it's not going to be, you know, a whole lot of bad blood unless you kill that relationship intentionally. So, and I think, you know, on that point too, a lot of people want to see Kevin Deneen maybe move up and mm-hmm. take the spot. I, I don't, I like the coherence that it offers to have him down in Utica because you can see the difference in those players that started the season with New Jersey didn't have that great of a first stint because maybe they weren't as prepared. They go down, uh, play that season in Utica and come back up much better for it. That happened with Boquist. That happened with Zetterlund. It happened Mm -hmm. with uh, Ball even. It happened with, um, who else? I I mean, Okotia, yeah. Uh, It happened with him too. So there's, there's something to be said about having that level of, um, you know, coach in the minors that spend so much time with these players, they're essentially getting coached twice that season by two different guys. Um, and, and if one is successful, then at the very least, they got something out of it. If he goes to New Jersey, they'll have to find someone who does make Utica strong and can offer that level of support. Because honestly, a lot of the best players towards the end of the season were the guys who had been playing on a successful team all year. Yeah, I, I even named Zetterlund the player of the month, you mm-hmm. know because he legitimately played great hockey for the better part of April and should be a New Jersey devil by next season. Mm -hmm. He should not be a Utica Comet. I think he's earned his way unless he has a terrible training camp. He's earned his way onto the roster next season. But uh, yeah, this is ultimately. Okay. So let's talk about Mr. Ruff. 
Okay. The, the big event yesterday was rough talking. Sorry to Mr. Bratt. Sorry to Mr. Sharon Govich, but rough speaking had the most interest because he quote said, we're all being evaluated. He would not confirm that he's coming back or not, which is bizarre, Dan. Why let a man speak if he doesn't know if he's going to have a job? Yeah. Uh, the whole thing is actually, it's, a mess. It, it, it's actually messier than that. Cause originally he was scheduled to uh, speak to the media at one and then one thirty comes um, they, it gets pushed back to one thirty due to players and other things. And then it doesn't actually start until after two. So it's like, even though it's not much, it brings to mind, you know, like you got your head coach standing up there saying, Oh, we're all under being, we're all being evaluated right now. I can't confirm it. You know, I can't uh, comment on whether or not I'm coming back. We're all under evaluation. Like between that, between the season, you got Larry Brooks's recent editorial in the New York post where he basically asks, Hey, who's in charge in New Jersey. You know, I'm starting to think Brooksy has a point here. Like who's actually like, say what you want about Lou and say what you want about Ray Shero. You knew where the buck stopped with those guys. Right. We don't know that in this case, because now we're going to have a later session, uh, later media session later this week with Tom Fitzgerald. And who knows if there's going to be any clarity for all we know, Tom Fitzgerald will get up there and say, status quo. I'm still evaluating these guys. Like, What's happening here, Dan? I, I don't know how long it's going to take. That's the thing. There's no reason. Like, I, I can't think of a criteria that would make it take a while besides the fact that there was a split opinion among the most important players. Honestly. Yeah. And again, I know that that matters. But, you know, even if, if I were in Tom Fitzgerald's shoes and I know that Brat and Hughes are fans of this coach and, you know, I want to keep them happy. You know, they're getting paid real well. I'm going to be reliant on them if the Devils are going to get anywhere better next season i need both of those guys to be in good spirits but if they have a problem with that my answer to them is simple guys rough took you to 46 76 and 16 under two seasons with him. <laughs> yes i understand yes he quote said i challenged them to get to a place and i'm just going to tell you the bulk of these guys just want to get to the next place mm-hmm. end quote that means the devils did not get to the place the challenge was not met if the place was to be a better hockey team, they actually had a worse points percentage than the previous season. It's, it's, you know, I understand that, you know, you want to keep guys happy and they like this guy. I know PK Subban also said he liked rough other guys uh, spoke positively of rough, but this is a business. This is a job. It's not about whether or not you like the guy. It's whether or not the guy is going to help you get to where you want to be. So if you're Mm -hmm. sick of losing nothing that rough has done show uh, nothing that Ruff has done so far shows that he's the guy for the future, no matter how much you believe in XG and no matter how much you want to highlight HDCA or HDCF over any of the other five on five stats or any of the other stats like that show that the power play was bad and the penalty kill really felt, you know, started to fall off a cliff a little bit in, uh, in April. Yeah. And th- it's a decision that's, it's tough when you're, best player comes out and says what he says. I kind of wish he didn't say that, but I can definitely see them giving rough another year and giving everyone else the sweep. I don't know. I mean, I don't really agree with that decision in general, but I can see it happening is all I'm saying uh, just based on how the conversation went down. Um, So I guess we'll see what happens. I don't know why they're taking their time on this, but evidently something's going to have to change or, uh, things are going to be just as rough next season. So, John, we're running uh, right up against our time limit here. And I know you wanted to talk about the World Championships, which are another thing that yes. the Devils discussed in Breakout Day. So why don't you go ahead and do that and we'll wrap yeah. things up. Right. So the World Under-18 Championships just concluded. 
the next event for the IIHF is the World Championships. The men's World Championships are held every year. Lots of players that don't make the playoffs tend to be invited, and some of them actually go. Uh, seven players from the Devils were invited. Six of them are going. Uh, Jack Hughes was invited to represent the United States, but he turned it down because he wants to be fully healthy for next season, which is a thousand percent the right choice. Uh, Switzerland uh, has invited Nico Heischer and Jonas Siegenthaler. Uh, Siegenthaler and Heischer said they'll go. Siegenthaler had that broken hand in April, Dan. Uh, he's hopeful he'll get it right just in time for the uh, tournament to start on May 13th. Uh, Thomas Tatar is going to represent Slovakia. Canada will have Damon Severson and Dawson Mercer. And I wish I was making this up, Dan. <laughs> John <crazy>. Gillis. <laughs> what did he do to prove that John he deserves Gillis to go there? Was, is going for America. <laughs> now, I know that it's not easy to get players for the world championships because guys are hurt. They don't want to play more games, whatever. Uh, and I know that Gillis might just be a third goaltender, but John Gillis, Dan. Now, to be fair, the US t- USA team had Matt Tennyson and Matt Hellickson and a whole lot of nobodies on that team last year, and they took bronze. So maybe it'll work out. Good luck to all six of them as it happens. We'll have an open post when May 13th rolls around for that. As far as the Devils themselves, their next major event, um, other than the Tom Fitzgerald press conference that is yet to be determined, mm-hmm. will be next next week. Next mm-hmm. Tuesday, the draft lottery broadcast will begin at 630. Hope for lottery balls. I'm I guess at least one. <laughs> we'll talk more about prospects in the upcoming draft class in the coming weeks. Uh, yeah. We'll definitely uh, be transitioning towards offseason coverage with prospect profiles and free agency and all that good stuff later this month. That's what we got coming up at All About the Jersey. We'll have an AHL open post when the Utica Comets get their playoffs going. And, of course, we have a Stanley Cup playoffs open post ongoing for the current series that have already begun. Yeah, so uh, go to that post. I mean, we want to use the podcast time, I think, to talk more devil stuff in general. Mm -hmm. Uh, Although we'll check in with the playoffs here and there as things get more and more disappointing when the Rangers beat the Penguins. Uh, Yeah, I'm feeling bad about it. But... The playoffs started yesterday. There were a lot of lopsided games and one relatively exciting one between the Kings and the Oilers. And that's all you need to know so far through a couple of game ones on the schedule. So that all being said, thank you again for joining us on uh, Garden State of Hockey. We'll be back with you to talk offseason and when we know where the Devils will be drafting uh, in this summer's draft. We'll have more details about the prospects that might become the newest New Jersey Devils. So like I said, thanks again for listening. Have a great rest of your day. And as always, let's go Devils. Devils.